Jones. It's a Friday edition. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you rolling into the weekend. And a big game for the Toronto Raptors coming up tomorrow against the Miami Heat as the Raptors will try to get back to 500 following their loss a couple of nights ago in Chicago. And speaking of Chicago, former Raptor DeMar DeRozan in the starting lineup. No surprise there. For the Eastern Conference All-Stars and uh, Jonesy, we'll go through the list of players in just a couple of moments, but figured I'd start with DeMar just quickly, and uh, congratulations to him. And we've talked at great length, at least on this show, about not just the All-Star season that he is having, but the MVP caliber season that he is certainly having right now as the Bulls entering action tonight sitting in second in the east, just behind the Miami Heat, who, again, the Raptors will see tomorrow, a half game back of Miami uh, as we enter action tonight. And uh, it has been a wild ride, to say the least, for Mr. DeRozan. And uh, I don't anticipate, you know, knock on wood, barring injury, things slowing down for him because he is playing outstanding basketball. He's just been the classic example of a guy who came into the league as a rookie, um, didn't know everything about the league, but knew that he wanted to be good. And then started to talk to people and watch and, you know, figured out what he had to do. And he's made himself, you know, an all-star, a, a multi-time all-star. And, and... You know, at this late stage in his career, has people considering him for an MVP? And, I, I, you know, we talked to Adam Amin yesterday. I really think DeMar should be getting more traction as the MVP. And, and I have a thing in the NBA. Sometimes you get a label put on you. Our friend, our friend Jose Calderon said it, uh, you know, as, as he was learning how to speak English. And he, and he came over and he talked about that. He said, I don't know, sometimes they put a sticker on you, and it stays, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and you have to work on that, Jose. That was Jose's, <laughs> that was Jose's way of saying, you get a label. You get a label. They label you in the NBA, and, and you know, that's, that's what it is. And I think, you know, people have kind of labeled DeMar at times the wrong way, you know, that never looking at him as an MVP, well, never looking at him as a player that could carry a team in the playoffs because he hasn't had a lot of success and people, you know, make it, uh, you know, that's, that's what he is. And, and it, it downplays some of his successes in other areas. I don't disagree with you on that, Jonesy. I do not disagree with you. And, and to think that a guy that's been in the league for as long as he has still has that label. And for a guy that comes back with a different tool in his bag, almost every year still has that label attached to him. And I think here's the other thing, too, and we'll, this this can tie into another player I'll mention in a couple of moments, but just the reputation in general about who you are and what you are, not just how you play. Like, this guy is not an all-star. Well, Kyle Lauer became an all-star for the first time. How many years into his career? Andrew Wiggins just became an all-star starter for the first time yeah. in his career. In how many years? So you get labeled or perceived as you're this, and it leaves very little wiggle room for people to watch with a, a, a keen eye and a truthful eye. Well, he might have been that, but he's now this. And again, Wiggins is another example of it. 
Wiggins was always a very good player, but he was also on a very bad team. So there was whether it was the narrative of does he do enough? Is he a winner? Is he just putting up numbers on a bad team? Can he truly get it done? Suddenly he goes to a good team. Well, now is it, oh, well, because he's with a good team. Well, hold on a second. He's also a major part of a good team, and he's not just putting up numbers because he's around other good players. They need what he's doing, and he's turned himself into one hell of a defender or an even better defender than he already is. Like He's more than deserving of his spot in the West. And anybody that wants to sit here and argue whether or not he should or shouldn't be starting, hey, either way, he was going to be an all-star. So I don't really care if you're a starter or if you're coming off the bench. He was going to be an all-star, and he is an all-star starter. We'll get to him in a second, though. More on DeRozan. Interesting that tonight, just as you know, luck fluke would have it, coincidence or otherwise, the Chicago Bulls in San Antonio to face the Spurs, uh, 8.30 Eastern, the tip-off of that game tonight. And, and I love it because he's going to get the love from the other former hometown fans. Obviously, we tie him to Toronto for his almost decade with the Raptors, but in going to San Antonio in that Kawhi deal, DeMar made the most of something that he obviously wasn't thrilled about. The fan base embraced him. He had a fantastic relationship with Popovich. Pop regularly, consistently talked about how good DeRozan was, let alone the professional that he was, and he nearly, nearly carried that team to heights that they weren't expected to go to, but I believe... He helped lay the foundation as one of the few vets on that team to put in place the winning mentality, the right attitude for a lot of the young core that is still trying to bring San Antonio back to that next level as they try to recover from, you know, two decades of dominance in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, it'll be good for DeMar. Uh, you know, they, they, they welcomed him in San Antonio. Um, you know, they, they kind of... They probably feel that they had to sell low with Kawhi Leonard uh, because of the injury. And, look, they got an all-star, a guy who, I mean, he didn't make an all-star team while he was with San Antonio, but he was an all-star player. And, you know, conditions were such that he, he wasn't selected. But, you know, I, I can only imagine what he did for some of the younger players in San Antonio and and helped their development. So... Um, it's it's great for Demar. Uh, just you know the the stuff that 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 he does, that he represents, the person that he is. Um, you know, I, I like I said, I'll never forget his current general manager, uh, Mark Eversley, who was the assistant GM when he was drafted here in Toronto, and I, I never forget Evs coming down uh, after they drafted him on draft night, and we were in the media room, and he he just kind of said. We're going to make this kid a pro. You watch. He's great. And, uh, you know, that, that goes that speaks to the talent evaluation, too. Because when you draft, you're not just drafting the physical talent. It's the mental stuff. It's the how hard is a guy willing to work. I always say it's one thing to be drafted. It's another thing to have a career. DeMar has had a career. He has been, he has been terrific for his time in the NBA. So, um, you know, and, and that all feeds into the physical ability uh, the mental willingness to to work on your game, to, to you know, to the drive to be the best, and so that that stuff you, you you know you can't you can't teach. There's a lot of guys that love the game, and love the lifestyle, but do they want to be really good at the game? Are they hungry enough to do that? And you can see with Demar, certainly he is. Jonesy, put a pin in what you just said about DeMar. I want to take a portion of that in a second 
to maybe jump off into another uh, conversation. So, 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 folks, put a little pin in what Jonesy was just talking about in DeMar and the path that he's been on, the path that he stayed on since coming into the league and how he got himself there and how others helped him get to that point too. So put a pin in that one for a second. We should announce for those that somehow missed it or in case you just haven't heard it or whatever, starters, full list, in the East alongside DeRozan, Trey Young, and then up front, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Kevin Durant. In the Western Conference, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Andrew Wiggins, Steph Curry, and Ja Morant. Now, what I wanted to bring up there, you can pull that pin out now. Correct me if I'm wrong, unless I'm forgetting something here, Jonesy, if if there's a story in one of these dudes' backgrounds that I'm not remembering. Outside of Kevin Durant, which to me is still fairly minor in the grand scheme of things, outside of Durant having a burner account and going on a bit of a tirade or more than a bit of a tirade with actor Michael Rappaport where there was a lot of colorful language used and probably some um, uh, ill-advised and insensitive language used, to say the least. Kevin Durant's been pretty much clean. Giannis, Embiid, Young, DeRozan, James, Jokic, Wiggins, Curry, Morant. Like, when we think about, Jonesy, the reputation that sometimes athletes garner, right, wrong, or otherwise, across all sports, but certainly in the the National Football League and certainly in the NBA, and let's be honest, especially with some people ignorantly and inaccurately, when it comes to young black men as well. We're talking about guys that have worked their tails off. They've been nothing but professional, and they have been model citizens on and off the floor and leaders of their respective teams, whether we're talking about a young player in Trey Young or a veteran like Steph Curry or LeBron James. Like LeBron being at the top of the list. You and I have had this discussion. I've even mentioned my own dad. My dad, for whatever reason, doesn't like LeBron James. The number of times I've asked him why not, I don't like his attitude, or I don't like his, I don't like, you know, he's too arrogant. I was like, Dad, I, I, I don't know if I see that arrogance. I think it might just be he's arrogant or he's cocky because he is the best, and you have to carry yourself with that, that type of arrogance or that type of confidence. But I said, you know, he's never been in trouble with the law. He's a family man. He's got kids. And my dad, you know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. And he's kind of come around on that. But for a while, I think my dad's more the type of person that doesn't matter if it's black or white or whatever it's just that he doesn't like somebody that's brash and bravado he prefers an alvin williams type he prefers a pick up your lunch pail go to work type but i would argue that a lot of these stars are that lunch pail type guy because they're working on their games and constantly getting better we can say that clearly about wiggins now where he's gotten to in this point we can say that about steph curry and how he continued to evolve say that about a young player in john morant certainly say that about DeMar DeRozan, as we just discussed. Hey, we're going to play a clip from Shaq in a second. Say that about Joel Embiid, how he's battled through, trust the process, improved his game, gotten to this point. These guys all continue to work, and they continue to be guys that aren't in the headlines for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Uh, It first started for me when... um when LeBron went to Miami, the decision. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great the way he did it. Cleveland probably should have heard about it before, but it, it is it is what it is. He didn't he didn't hurt anybody. By the way, a few million bucks went to the boys and girls clubs 
Um, and, and, it, and it wasn't, you know, it, people didn't like the way it happened, but he didn't, it wasn't illegal. He didn't hurt anybody, uh, you know, physically. He didn't abuse anybody. He, again, as you said, there was no drugs or guns or whatever. And his Q score, for, I just, that was the first time I heard about it. His, his like, you know, public approval rating started to go down. I'm like, why? Why? Because people don't like him? And, you know, it, it, it wraps up and ties in with all the other stuff we've been talking about. You know, we talked to Kevin Barker about the Hall of Fame yesterday. We talked to Jeff Blair uh, because they don't like somebody. Or uh, what was the guy's name? Hub Arkish talking about, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Like, you know, the, the, the personal stuff gets in the way. And mm-hmm. I, I, I just think you have to realize that um, the athletic side is only one side to a person. And good or bad. I mean, there's, they have a life away from the field, the pitch, the ice, the court, whatever. And that's totally separate. It's totally separate from, from you know, uh, what happens on, 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 in the field of play. You may not like them outside of that. You know, that's, that's fine. But uh, the guy's doing his job or the, the girl's doing their job on, on, in the field of play, that's, that's how it goes. Um, and, and I think it's really important to make that distinction and, and, you know, to be objective when you're evaluating the player and not take that other stuff into account. Like I'm not, I've, I've, I've soured on Aaron Rodgers a little bit, but he's still a hell of a quarterback. You know, that's, it's important to make that distinction. Yep. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, again, in the East Durant. Tedekumpo, Embiid, Young, and DeRozan in the West. James, Jokic, Wiggins, Curry, and Morant. All right. Um, I want to talk about Joel Embiid for a second. Uh, another of the East All-Stars. Actually, you know what? Before I go to Embiid, I don't know if you want to say any more on this, but when we talk about DeRozan and his backcourt mate, Trey Young, a couple of days ago, we discussed this. Um, I went through the list. I think I, I damn near read every team in the East, Jonesy. I think I did. I don't love the fact that Trey Young is in there as a starter when his team is three games below 500. But the Atlanta Hawks are now the hottest team in the Eastern Conference. They've yeah. won five in a row. They're only a half game back of the 10th seed. They're only a game and a half back of the Toronto Raptors in that ninth seed. They're only two back of the Celtics in that eighth seed. I mean, they're well back of sixth in an actual play-in spot, or excuse me, an actual locked-in spot. Uh, six and a half back of the Milwaukee Bucks, who have now fallen down to sixth, believe it or not. But either way, Atlanta is the hottest team in the East right now. And when I go through the list, as I did a couple of days ago, I can't think of a more deserving point guard specifically in spite of the team's record because he is still having a fantastic year. And at the end of the day, this is a game that is for the fans and a game intended to highlight the stars. And he is a star and a showman, and hence the reason I don't have a problem with him being in there. I, I, I don't know if you feel any differently, if you want to say anything no. there, but I, I, I begrudgingly say, hey, below 500, but I don't have a problem with him being there. Well, because, again, that's the popularity part of it, and, and as we say, the game being for the fans. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's something that um, the fans wanted. You, you could see he got in, but... It's not like they voted a guy in who hadn't played or or is a terrible player. They didn't 
you know, kind of. Right. Uh, it didn't kind of make a joke out of it, but uh, good for the Hawks. I, I, I'm, you know, good for Nate McMillan. Uh, but I, I just think again, this is a young team that got kind of punched in the face after the success last year. They just thought, oh, it's going to be this easy again, and they they had a target on their back and they didn't realize it. Atlanta playing tonight at home against the Boston Celtics. So an important game there, as I just mentioned, how close they are to the Celtics in the standings and hoping to keep their winning streak going. The Hawks, uh, again, winning five in a row, hottest team in the East going into action tonight. The Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, before maybe we get into it, because I'm sure i sure that uh, you and I both want to react to it, Philly coming off a big win last night over the Los Angeles Lakers, 105-87 uh, the final of that game, as you take a look at the Lakers now, we'll get to them uh, in a couple of moments. But the Lakers now sitting in ninth, a game below 500, 24 and 25. We will discuss them as we get to the Western Conference All-Stars in a couple of moments. But because of the spotlight, Jonesy was on Philadelphia, on TNT, the Thursday nighter against the Lakers. Lots of discussion about Philly last night. And here is Shaquille O'Neal weighing in on Joel Embiid, the all-star, but you will hear he brings up Ben Simmons and discusses both players here in, uh, in about a, well, I don't know, about a minute-long rant, analysis of the Sixers. Here's Shaq. E slash I stay on big guys because I care about them. I want them to play a certain way. I want them to play at a certain level. <clears throat> difference between him and his self-partner is he can take criticism without being a crybaby, and he still wants to play. Because me and Charles, we've been on him. We stay on him. We tell him to his face what he need to do. He didn't cry. He didn't say I want to be traded. He didn't, you know, complain about mistreatment. And that's the difference. That's why I like and respect him. The other guy I don't respect. I've been thinking about it. You're missing the whole season because they asked your coach a question, can we win without you? And your coach gave a funny answer. That should tell you you need to get in, in the summertime and work on your game. You don't think I, I haven't been criticized by you guys and Stephen A? You don't think I have, you know, haven't been criticized by L.A. media, New York media? Great players get criticized, but the great players also step up to the criticism and perform. So this other guy, I don't respect him. I would get rid of him. E slash I. Ah, Interesting. Uh, I agree. <laughs> like, I agree with him. Almost wholeheartedly. I, I go back to In the fact, root of I'll take thing. out the I'll take out the almost. I will say I agree with him wholeheartedly. I, I'll go back to the start of this, Eric, where uh, they asked Doc right after a, a tough playoff loss in Game 7 at home. And, you know, he said, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm sure a million things are going through his head. Um, Doc also played in an era for people like Pat Riley, Greg Popovich, uh, Mike Fratello, where the coach motivated you through the media. Like, that was, mm-hmm. that was kind of a poke in the back. Like, you know, and we've, we've all had it done to us. I've had it done to me as a player. You know, hey, that guy's got 25. Are you going to stop him tonight or, or do I put somebody else on him? Like, <laughs> you know, and a lot of people said Doc handled it the wrong way. Here we go again with the two sides of the coin. Should he have lied? Said, oh, yeah, definitely. You know, you know, Ben's still our guy, whatever. He may not have believed that at that time. And he may have been so disillusioned that he, hey, man, I don't know. Right now, I don't know. And that should have motivated Ben Simmons. 
It should have, as Shaq said. It, it should have motivated him. And people are like, oh, the coach handled it the wrong way. No, what, what, how are you? T- how are you? Why? Because he, he ruffled his feathers. He hurt, he hurt his feelings. He, he told him what he needed to hear rather than what he wanted to hear. Like, I don't get it. People are like, oh, the coach should never. There's a school of thought that says, yeah, you got to be careful and you got to know the player and whatever. But we don't know what happened after that. If he went in and said to him, hey, man, look, I said that out there, but, you know, maybe I shouldn't have. But, hey, man, you need to work on your game. You Like, we don't know all the circumstances. So people can't just unilaterally assume that, oh, Doc answered the wrong way. I, no, I, I don't. Hey, man, it's on Ben Simmons. Get in the gym. Work on your game. Build your toolkit. And now you're sitting out a year because you're you're kind of, oh, no, I don't want to play there. Come on, man. Jonesy, remind me. Remind me. Was the question not also posed specifically as not can you win with Ben Simmons? Can you win with Ben Simmons at the point? Was that not the question? Was it not specifically so. I... about the point? And the reason I bring that up is, and maybe I'm splitting hairs here, to your point as well, could there have been a conversation that was already had? Was there a conversation yet to be had where maybe Doc, to your point, says, hey, you know what, Ah, I might have crossed the line a little bit, man. I still got all the faith in the world in you, though. But you know what? Maybe it's better served if we play at the four or the three. And, and the, the, we get the ball out of your hands a little bit more. Because you know what? I love you as, as a guy you know, off the ball, slash into the hoop. I love you as a guy that can post up a lot of smaller guards and bring him down to the post. You know, I think it might actually help you evolve your offensive game. Maybe it even brings you into to more of an opportunity to develop as a shooter if we get the ball out of your hands and you don't have to be the facilitator all the time. Like, this could have easily been spun or specifically meant as motivation or inspiration to get to a different position. I don't think I heard Doc Rivers say, you can't play on our team. We can't be good with you, period. It was specifically answering a question about the point guard position. This is Ben Simmons taking it upon himself for how many months now? For more than half a year, cry- crying, whining, sulking about the fact that his coach said something about him as a point guard? When how many of us from... Small media to big media to fans to management have been talking for years about this guy maybe not being ultimately a point guard and it being better for yeah. him to play a different position. We've all said that. And this is going to sit out half a year for this? Or a whole year? Yeah. Uh, he's he's got to get in the gym and work out his game he does i mean this is uh this is it's a it's a grown man's league it's it's a business he's he's got to do better he's got to do better and um you know everybody's trying to survive i mean jobs are at stake so it'll be really interesting to see what happens though eric It, it will like there are thoughts now that um he may even be willing to Philadelphia 76ers haven't ruled out having him come back after all of this, after all of this. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. You know, if you're going to come back, like then make up and come back and help the team and try and win. Yeah, I, I listen, I don't disagree. If, <laughs> if I'm inside the Philly locker room, like, listen, I don't I would hope that I'm mature enough, like 
I don't know. It's not fair to role play because you and I have never been at that level. But, like, I'm trying to think. If I've been friends slash teammates with a guy for two years, let alone 5, 10, 20 years, and something like this happens, am I just going to completely throw my personal relationship and friendship out the window? No. But I'd be lying if I said it wasn't going to have an impact. So if I'm if I'm inside that Philly locker room right now, and suddenly a week from now, a month from now, Ben Simmons is back and actually in a Philly uniform, I think I would have a bit of a problem. I'd be like, hold on a second. We've been busting our hump all year. Playing our tails off. Yeah. Without yeah. you? Yeah. And we're sitting here right now as the fifth seed in the East, and now you decide 50, 55, 60 games into the season, all right, yeah, I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get the trade. I didn't get to the destination. I don't want to be out all year. So, yeah, okay, fine, I'll come back. No, 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 no. I might like you as a person, but, dude, nope. I don't want you back here. I'll bring you back next fall. You want to come back, start a next season, and help us from the get-go? But, no, you're not jumping on this ride, you know, three-quarters of the way through. Sorry. I'd have a problem with that. I, don't, I can't see that happening. I'd be blown away if that happens. Well, I, I, like I said a couple weeks ago, and, you know, I think I said it back in December before we flipped the calendar, I, I can't see Ben Simmons playing this year. If it's gone this far and both sides are being this stubborn, I can't see him playing for Philadelphia this year, and then I can't see him playing for Philadelphia ever again. You know, maybe I'll be wrong, but at the same time, uh, it's, it's been – I mean, look at where we are. We're, we're at the we're, – oh, what are we, two weeks from the All-Star break, and he hasn't played. Like, we don't know if he's – I'm sure he's working out, but we know that – those workouts are nothing, absolutely nothing like a game. And, you know, we heard Alvin Williams talk about it. The only way to be in, in, in shape is to play the game. To be in basketball shape is to play the game. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what happens with Ben Simmons. I, I just think that my own feeling is he doesn't play for Philadelphia again this year. He doesn't play for Philadelphia ever again. All right, flip it over to the Western Conference here. And maybe this isn't a great comparable example because of the fact that he did get a fresh start in Golden State. But you talk about a dude that came in with a ton of expectations and faced a ton of heat, and now here he is, three-quarters of a decade basically into his career, and an all-star, an all-star starter for the first time. Again, not a total direct comparison because, again, he got that fresh start. But drafted number one overall by one team, dealt to another team, much maligned for years, much criticized for years, in spite of still being a pretty damn good player, then ultimately gets dealt to another squad, and boom, all-star for the first time. Here is Canadian Andrew Wiggins talking about being named to the Western Conference All-Star Starters. How was your afternoon? Man, it was... It was mind-blowing. You know, I was taking my little pregame nap, and my girl, my daughter, just woke me up and said, you're a starter, you're a starter. And I thought I was dreaming for a second. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> but, you know, it was a good way to, you know, <clears throat> learn that I I made the, you know, an all-star. Um, and I'm thankful. You know, I've been putting in, putting in a lot of work. Um, and, you know, I found a home here. And... Uh, hopefully I can keep it going. I know we're all like just crazy excited for him to get his first experience. Feel overshadowed? 
in the moment in the group chat and everything? Yeah, I think there was like a 30-minute delay before Draymond realized he had to say congratulations to me. <laughs> uh, then I got like a little half. I think I got like a quick uh, slide on the pregame edit. And they had a whole highlight reel for Wiggs and then... Uh, a little splash page came on at the end, like, oh, yeah, congrats, though. It's beautiful. So, obviously, the voice at the tail end there was Steph Curry and, and, and joking about kind of being in the shadow of Andrew Wiggins. So you heard Wiggins off the top, and then, of course, Steph Curry as well. But, um, you know, Curry, a no-brainer, clearly a no-brainer, named to the All-Star team in the Western Conference again for about the 97th time. But Andrew Wiggins, Jonesy, that's a hell of a story for him to be named for the first time in his career and speaking to the perseverance and the drive that he's had to get to this point uh, and to be a major part of what uh, Golden State is doing with their 36-13 and 13 record. He's been great. Um, you know, it was interesting to hear people talk about him uh, early in the year, how you know he's become when he went to Golden State, he would be the number three option uh, with a healthy Clay and a healthy Steph. And then you know Steph Clay didn't play all that time. You know he missed a couple years, and he was still uh, the second guy behind Steph, you might say. And the other part of it was remember Golden State did not have a great year when he went there. So there was a little bit of the the pressure was off. He was able to develop kind of with that team out of the out of the out of the uh, spotlight. And you know, they vaulted back up as a championship contender and he's been a big part of it. And what he's learned and what he's uh, garnered from being in that system. I, I just feel great for for the kid because a lot of people you know, as a number one pick, labeled him as a bust. Oh, he's a bust. He's, a, you know, um, just things happen at different times for different people. And we've gone over this so many times, e, you and I, I'm, I. People have heard me say it a number of times. Development is is a different. Uh, it's a different timetable for each for every person at, at any level, depending on, you know, what discipline you're in. So good, good for Andrew. Feel really good for him. And uh, maybe now his, you know, his, his, his pick of number one, you know, will have been vindicated. That guy's a number one pick. He became an all-star. So everybody who doubted him or said he was a bust, they have to take that back. Again, Wiggins and teammate Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors in the uh, Western Conference all-star starting lineup. Uh, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, John Morant, the other three starters. And interestingly enough, and listen, it's not going to last forever because by next Thursday it'll be all cleaned up and it'll all look good and pretty and whatever else because I'm guaranteeing, guaranteeing that both Devin Booker and Chris Paul will be reserves. But the 38-9 and nine Phoenix Suns, currently winners of eight games in a row, hottest team in the NBA, best team in the NBA record-wise, zero starters. Zero. That, I, I, I would be interested to find out if that has ever happened. If the number one team in the league with the number one record had zero all-stars in terms of the starters. Because a lot of people were looking... Kind of perplexed yesterday. Uh, could Booker have been in there instead of Wiggins? Could Paul have been there ahead of John Morant, even though the Grizz are in third in the West and having a hell of a season at 33-17? and 17? 
did one of those two deserve a starting spot more so than another? Listen, again, it's not going to matter, Jonesy, next week because they're both going to be there as reserves, but it is very strange to not see a member of the Phoenix Suns in the starting lineup when they've got a 38-9 and record. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think this will be rectified once the uh, reserves are selected by coaches, and I can't, I can't believe that both of those guys in the backcourt uh, won't get selected. Yeah, Booker and and Chris Paul. So that's, I mean, that's to me that's a non-issue. Um, but again, you know, it speaks to me about about um, the whole MVP thing when I, I I hear I don't hear Chris Paul's name mentioned, and to me, I know the numbers say one thing, but if you watch the games, the eye test, like sit there and watch a Phoenix Suns game. And what Chris Paul does to impact the game. He may not have the best numbers every night. You know, he may he may have 12 points, 8 assists, a couple of rebounds, and, you know, a couple of steals. And you, you look at the numbers and they don't blow you away. But just watch him play the game. Watch him play the game. Take the numbers away. I, you know, I've... I've told you, I, I, we don't have time for it now, but I've told you the funny story I have going to the Memorial Cup in Kitchener the year that, that Mario Lemieux was the number one pick. And I went to watch the game with my roommate, whose brother was a scout for the Canadians. We were all in master's programs. And we watched this team from Quebec in the white play, and there was one guy out there dominating. And a minute into the game, there was a power play, and this guy went through everybody and scored a goal. And I turned to my roommate's brother, who's a scout for the Canadians, and I said, hey, you should pick that guy. He goes, thanks, thanks, Sherlock. That's Mario Lemieux. I'm like, who's Mario Lemieux? <laughs> I had no idea. I was so into basketball. I had no idea. No idea. But it just reinforced to me, okay, the eye test. I didn't need – I all I needed to do was watch the game. And if you watch, watch the game, all you need to do is watch, and you will see the impact that, that Chris Paul has. By the way, I kept my mouth shut for the rest of the game. That's good. I'm glad you did. I, and, and by the way, that's another Jonesy story I've heard before. Now, but but I, I don't count. I've known you too long. That's a story that the audience hasn't heard. But I knew exactly where you're going there because I remember you told me the, the, the Mario Lemieux story. All right. Uh, we're going to step aside for a moment. But you know what? This is a perfect uh, conversation to have with our next guest because he's played the game and played the game at the point guard position as well. So maybe we can roll in comments on Chris Paul and others. Uh, because, hey, here's the other thing, too. The current number one team in the Eastern Conference, not number one in the league, but number one in their conference, the Miami Heat, no starters as well. How many All-Stars might they have? One? I think it'll only be one. Maybe more? I don't know. We'll talk to I think John get, I think they get two. I think they get two. Really? Hmm. Okay, well, we'll find yeah, out I think the they two get you two. think. We'll find out the two you think when we continue, and we'll ask John Crowdy that question as well. When we continue on Smith & Jones right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Off night for the Toronto Raptors as they uh, enjoy a little bit more heat, escaping the uh, frigid, frigid temperatures here in southern Ontario, getting set for a game against the Heat tomorrow night. And we will have that game for you right here on Sportsnet 5.9 to the fan. Myself, Jonesy, with the call. And the man that will be calling the action on the uh, TV side for the Miami Heat 11-year NBA veteran. And uh, always love chatting with John Crotty. John, thanks for the time today. 
Hey, Eric Jonesy, how you guys doing? All, all good, John. All good. Uh, we we would be doing a lot better because the team got there. Let's see, Wednesday night after the game, so they're they're fighting the South Beach Press Thursday, Friday, and uh, Saturday afternoon before uh, <laughs> before getting to uh, <laughs> FTX Arena. We we know we know how that is, but we don't have we love that, but we didn't have to. Uh, we didn't have to rebound or play defense in the fourth quarter, so hope the Raptors can can overcome that. John, we were talking about point guard play, and and I want to I want to get right at this. Um, are you how surprised are you before we even get to Miami and Toronto that a guy like Chris Paul and all he does in the game, you know, with the eye test, is not mentioned more as a potential MVP candidate? Uh, how surprised am I? Um, I mean, mildly surprised. There's just, there's so many guys making, um, you know, noise this year in, in regards to their teams and the league. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he impacts the game so favorably in so many different ways. Um, but you know, there's just so many gaudy numbers and, and, and guys impacting the game. Jonesy, I think, you know, it, it, it's easy for a guy like that who does a lot of the intangible things as well and is a great leader to kind of get lost in that shuffle. You know, John, is, and is it because of the numbers? Sorry, sorry, Eric. Is it because of the numbers, John? Is, because yeah. you and I know numbers don't always so. tell the full story. I mean, if you take Chris Paul away, Phoenix isn't where they are. No, I agree, but I think it is because of the numbers, and I think it's because of um, – you know some of the some of the um, you know outstanding performances we're seeing from other guys too. I think the MVP battle this year is, is you know pretty intense. I mean, you got a lot of guys performing at a high level, and it's been different with with COVID and different guys in and out too. You're not seeing some of the traditional names maybe up at the top of the list. Um, so uh, you know, I think it's I don't know. I think it's refreshing in that way. You know, John, maybe uh, to that point and using the word even refreshing, uh, I don't know if it's refreshing or interesting or or I'm trying to think of a better word, verb, adjective, something to describe or discuss as Jonesy and I just were in the last segment. Um, All-star starters announced. And again, it's a popularity vote, too. It's the fans. I've got no problem. And, and again, I'm not critical. I understand the thought process, and I don't have a problem with anybody that's been named. But how bizarre is it to look down and see in the Western Conference, 38-9, number one in the West, number one in the league, there's not one Phoenix Sun in the starting lineup. And for that matter, in the East, number one seed, currently speaking right now, the Miami Heat, not one starter. And it begs my question, how many guys will ultimately be named as reserves? Because I think it's only one, and Jonesy said going into break, he thinks it's going to be two. Jonesy, maybe you want to reveal your two names, or maybe John will, but I I think it's only going to be one. What do you think, John? Uh, look, I I always keep an open mind with this kind of stuff because I think you know what will ultimately happen is some some guys are going to pull up lame um, and and not go mm. and not make it uh, you know from from that standpoint too. Uh, we're going to see a lot of that this year, I think, unfortunately, because the game's going to be held in, in Cleveland. <laughs> but um, you know, <laughs> I think. Uh, you know uh, the, the the story to me, guys, and I know your 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 all star bent here is, you know, what the Heat have really done without, you know, without their top guys and, and being able to win and and yeah. uh, you know to be in first place and have different guys step up all year long, having Jimmy Butler out for 
uh, you know, a bunch of the season, having Bam out of bio out for 22 games and, and still being able to, you know, finish or be up here in the first place uh, realm is, is crazy. So I don't know. I, I I'm, I'm more team oriented that way versus the all-star, you know, you know, snubs and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think, uh, you know, the story to me with, with this heat team is it's, it's about unselfishness. It's about, don't worry about it. Just show up, play hard. And, and the heat culture is, is sort of reigning with some of these young developmental guys showing up. Uh, I, I agree, John. It is, it is the team stuff. And I, I think, I think he's probably going to be, um, in the running for sixth man, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tyler Hero and maybe somebody else get a nod from Miami, just when the coaches sit down. I, you and know, you that's look a at, good point. No, it's a good point. Yeah. You know, I, I, I look at the number of people that you have to stop on any given night in Miami. You're right. A lot of them have missed time, um, and then you know he's been out for the last few games, but. Kyle Lowry now has that right. rep. He's an all-star. He has that. He has the hash marks. And sometimes we know guys that are, you know, that that, that are having a, a good season, but not a great season. But what they're doing for their team, a la Chris Paul, the, the coaches say, "Man, that guy, that guy still drives the bus at times," and they give him a nod. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Tyler Hero and one other Eric. I don't know if I could name one guy exactly, but. That wouldn't surprise me in the least. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'll tell you this about Tyler Harrow. I mean, he has been getting it done all year long. To me, he's the clear, you know, six man of the year. Um, he's out, you know, he's got the he's the top scorer off the bench, about twenty one points a game, and and the next nearest guy is at like sixteen. But it's more than that. If you watch him play, um, you know, as often as I'm fortunate to get to do, he has continued to develop guys. I mean, he his ability to yeah. play make off the dribble and get others involved. He's he's a true three level scorer. You know, at the rim and the mid range, and now beyond the arc with catch and shoot and pull up game. Um, now what he's doing, the next dimension is his ability to draw fouls and get himself to the free throw line. So uh, I, I'm really impressed with the way he's come back after a second year that had some ups and downs. He had to battle some injuries, um, you know, had some stretches that were a little choppy. He has been nothing but awesome, um, you know, for Miami. Speaking with NBA veteran John Crotty, Miami Heat uh, television analyst as the Raptors get set for the Heat tomorrow night. Uh, the Raptors' next game as they try to stay um, well above 500, not dip back below in a tough game against the number one seed in the East, the Heat. Uh, John, you, you might have already touched on this a little bit, you know, in just talking about uh, Tyler Hero and, and and others that have stepped up. But is there? I'm not going to say one guy, but what's the biggest theme or or the few reasons why this team has been able to navigate through what you talked about? You know, Jimmy Butler missing a bunch of games, and, and Kyle Lowry now of late missing a handful right. of games as well, and Bam, et cetera. I mean, how have they kind of glued that and pieced that together to not just stay relevant, number one in the East? Well, I, I think it's it's a couple of things, guys. First of all, I think there's a great system in place uh, where the ball's moving. Um, there's an unselfish overall um, vibe that's set, it's set at the top from from leadership, from the coaching staff to the best players and Jimmy Butler, who really sets the tone. He wants the younger players to be successful. And I credit both he and, and coach Eric Spolstra, who just breathes confidence in a lot of these younger players. And, you know, I look back at, 
in my 11 year career and it would have been it would have been really nice to have some some of these older guys and and just being like hey man we want you to shoot the basketball when you're open take take the shot if you don't take the shot you know we want we're going to pull you out of the game you know is what the coaching staff saying i mean think about that trust that confidence that breeds and we're seeing it really uh impact the heat in a positive way uh we've seen it with duncan robinson we're seeing it with max Struess this year uh gabe vincent who's come in you know as a g league player and, and a two-way guy um and, and excelled um and starting now with lowry you know out for some games and then caleb martin who i think is the best two-way player in the league i mean he's he was uh stepping in um, first off the bench and then as a starter. So all these guys are part of the developmental program. They're constantly working on their game with the Heat coaching staff. And then when they have the opportunity, they feel confident. Um, they're put in positions where they can be successful. And they have leadership really, you know, um, trying to get the best out of them, you know, and, and, and doing it in a positive way. John, we hear we hear about we hear the phrase, and they're not the only team that has one, but we hear the phrase "heat culture" a lot, and and there are there are other there are other clubs like when I when I think about you know San Antonio or Golden State or heck even Toronto for that matter that have to me that word that's hard to define, and I always look at it as a way of doing things with expectations attached, and I, I think that. That probably right. uh, summarizes Pat Riley more than anybody else, the, the guy at the top. But um, what what is it about, you know, the expectations, the way they go about things in Miami that, that, one, makes them successful, and, two, makes them attractive because players want to be coached. Some guys would shy away from that. The good sure. players want to be in that and want to be pushed. I think, I think that last point you make is, is to me, a, a big part of it. Um, you know, I think, you know, the, the more mature players realize this is a really, sh you know, finite short amount of time that I have a chance to win and be successful. I want to go somewhere that's serious about it. That's going to um, give me the best chance to develop and, and, and be the best player I can be within a system that, you know, we have a chance to really compete in the playoffs and, and get a championship. So what I would, I would, I would call the heat culture, the following, I would say, um, you know, there is an incredible um, standard of being in uh, world-class type shape, um, having a mental toughness, and then there's accountability to those things where everyone, you know, is toes the line. And, and within that, there's a great unselfishness to, and everyone buying in to, to give a little bit of their personal game for the, for the team to win. And, you know, when you see that, um, you know, system in place, just great things can happen. But Jonesy, you're right. It's not for everybody. I mean, a lot. There's a lot of guys who, frankly, don't want to, you know, give a, give a little bit of their game, right? Who or you know, not um, or pass, make the extra passes, and and you know, and unfortunately, I find a lot of the younger players, you know, they're not they're they're too busy trying to establish themselves individually versus understanding that you know, look, if if I do a little bit less, um, and meaning I score a little bit less, but I do it on a winning team. Uh, I'm going to get you know more exposure really doing that, and, and I think that's unfortunate. But that's where the the heat and the culture everyone buys in, and then there's the accountability from management and the coaching staff. You know, when when guys do fall short and and, and have disciplinary or, um, you know, aren't getting into into the kind of shape, 
um, that's that's the difference. Um, you know, most teams let that those things slide. You create you know malcontents, and then all of a sudden your team and the morale goes down. So, um, you know, I think that's a big piece of it. John, we appreciate the time, the insight today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the game tomorrow, and uh, hopefully get to see you actually in person one of these days. All the best, man. You got it. Yeah, absolutely. Miss miss seeing you guys, you know, traveling. And, uh, you know, I know we're coming up uh, soon to see you guys uh, as well. I, it's going to be weird being up there and with no with no fans. Uh, but uh, yeah. it's great. We've been we've been fortunate to have full, you know, full gyms um, down here. And, and just the, the electricity in the arena has been great. I mean, I think the fans are really appreciating being back and the players are responding to, you know, I mean, it's it's. In some ways, it was a it's a it was a positive because people realize how how lucky we are to all be able to get together. So hopefully, hopefully you guys can experience that again soon up there in Toronto. Yep, definitely. Fingers crossed. John, appreciate yeah, the time yeah, again. Thanks as so. always. Thanks, John. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye bye. There is John Crotty, NBA veteran and uh, Miami Heat. Uh, television analyst as the Raptors get set for the Heat tomorrow night. 7.30 pregame show right here on Sportsnet 5 Night at the Fan. 8 o'clock, the tip-off between Toronto and Miami. And I, I, Listen, I didn't want to say this to, to John on the air, Jonesy, because he's not a doctor, he's not a politician, he's not a scientist, nor are we, but it's, it's, it's bizarre to see the numbers in Florida and the, the, the state, especially of Florida, kind of on fire compared to other places in the U.S. and especially here in Canada. And yet, to his point, it's a full building. It's electric, and the Heat are playing off that, and the Raptors are still trying to plow through for the next few weeks without anybody in the building. And I, I continue to say, I don't think what's happening here is right. I don't think what's happening there is right. I feel like there's a happy medium somewhere, but we'll see if uh, that ever happens. Uh, yeah. Either way, it ain't yeah. changing anytime soon, and the Raptors have to continue to plow forward. And to their credit, they've been doing so far – pretty well sitting at 500 getting set for that game tomorrow night folks make sure you subscribe to smith and jones wherever you get your podcasts please rate and review and share as well